Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. I'm Brett, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Steve. Steve, how are we doing today? Well, we had a buzzer beater today, so I don't know that it gets much better than this. Uh, no, no, I think uh, I think that's a good way to put it. Before we, we talk all about, the, about that, I would like to ask a favor of all of our listeners. Uh, it is you know getting towards the end of the season, and we would love uh, as many positive reviews and, and ratings and everything as we can get. So uh, if you could just give us a like or a five-star review or whatever it is on the podcast app you listen to, that would be much appreciated. So thank you in advance for doing that. Now on to the good stuff. Um, Steve, you are right. We did, in fact, have a buzzer reader. It was actually just a few hours ago as we record this Sunday night. Ohio State took down Michigan State in East Lansing uh, on a three-pointer by Dale Bonner as time expired. I think it might be one of, if not, my, one of the first, if not the exact first, but like actual time-expiring buzzer beater that we had this season. I mean, as, as exciting as that play was, as exciting as kind of the end of the game was, um, and as nuts as the win probability graph looks, uh, however you look at it, this is a game that Michigan State lost by, or was leading by as many as 12 with 11 minutes left. I think there are a couple interesting ways to look at this. You know, Ohio State obviously gets a really important win. Uh, they are now uh, two two and one with uh, interim coach Jake Diebler at the helm. So, you know, I, I think it's good sign that these guys are sticking together, playing hard and, and competing even when they're down by double digits. Um, and, you know, Devin Royal has kind of proven to be a really interesting player as a freshman um, but I kind of want to talk about Michigan State and <clears throat> their their lineup decisions today. They they started Xavier Booker, um, whose playing time has really fluctuated, um, and he played uh, 17 minutes, and and Sissoko and and Kohler and Cooper kind of filled in the rest. But Michigan State clearly looked their best when Booker was in there, um, as he gives them a much more dynamic offensive skill set and just more athleticism and size around the rim. Um, but he was nowhere to be found kind of down the stretch as Tom Izzo opted for Sissoko. Do you see that? I guess I guess a couple questions here. Do you see that kind of becoming an issue as we get down to uh, the end of really the end of the season? And what do you think this means for Michigan State kind of as a whole as we, again, head really towards the end of February, beginning of March? Yeah, like you said, a lot of angles to to talk about this one from. And what was also just a eventful week around the conference which we'll get to that um as we get through the show here you, you know for me coming into this week for michigan state i i looked at it as a huge opportunity for them to like effectively solidify their place in the top four in the conference and put themselves in position for a double buy especially coming off a two road win week last week and you look you look at them you know, this week with the opportunity to take on Iowa and Ohio State at home. I mean, there are no sure things in this conference that we, as we've learned, but that to me felt like a really, really good opportunity to continue their momentum. And yeah, I think that had they won both these games, that I think they would have had a four or five game winning streak. And, you know, we would have been saying what we always say around this time of year. And it's it's just Tom Izzo doing his thing, um, figuring it out with the Spartans. Uh, they, they lose, you know, and we haven't even mentioned this yet, but they, they lose that home to Iowa, you know, earlier in the week. And Iowa's kind of surprisingly had their number going back the last two or three years now. I think they've won five or six against the Spartans. And then they they lose. Yeah, I think 
but before we get into like the big man lineup dilemma, th- this game was 50 to 40 with like 10 minutes left. And I, I think Michigan State only had like two or three field goals in those last call it 10 ish minutes. Um, and so I, I don't know Ohio State even did anything special to, you know, to, to um, get themselves in position to win. They just did more than what Michigan State did. And I mean, all credit to them making making more plays at the end of the game. It's a great story for them under Jake Diebler. And and it, you know, Ohio State's like not out of it for turning contention purposes too. I know they went on a long losing streak this year, but they're they're 66th in the net right now. Like I mean, they're not in it by any means. But you know that is not like a. I don't know that they're like eliminated by any stretch of the imagination yet. Look, this Michigan State team, their identity this year has been like guard and wing oriented. And it's just been a revolving door with their big guys. I, I don't know what you saw with Booker today, but like, I don't, I haven't seen anything over the last call it month of play to make me think that their big guys are going to serve any more purpose than just to be defense oriented. And it, like, it's really at the point where you just cannot depend on them at all for offense. Now I don't think Izzo can go like, ride the hot hand game by game and like have that be a sustainable way to get wins in March. But like at the same time, I I don't blame him for constantly like trying to find whoever's going to give you anything more than nothing on offense um, because they haven't gotten any production out of that position at all throughout the year. And so I think the, the biggest thing for me with Michigan state is like every time this season, it feels like they're turning a corner they like completely regress. And that's just so surprising for, for an Izzo coach team. And I mean, if I were him, I would be trying to grasp at every straw that I could and trying to find the right lineup that works with their big guys, because there isn't any evidence that any one of these four guys that they play is going to do any better than the other one. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious. And you know, this is, this is not an original thought. I kind of saw this idea kicking around on Twitter a little bit, but Trying Malik Hall at the five can't be any worse uh, at this point. And, you know, we've seen him kind of play that small ball big guy role before throughout his or at, at a couple points throughout his career. Obviously, I am not a basketball coach. I am not Tom Izzo, but uh, I don't know. I've seen seen weirder things. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's just going to be that center position is going to have to eat enough minutes and uh, and to let everyone else figure out how to win basketball games. Um, I guess to your point. I don't know that I agree that Ohio State is not out of it. They're still six and eleven in conference, sixty-two in Ken Palm. I, I, there's still a, a heck of a lot of ways to go, and they don't have many opportunities for. I believe they only have one quad one possible win left, and that's uh, home for Nebraska, which you know we know how Nebraska plays on the road. But um, I think I think things are starting to get a little interesting for Michigan State. Uh, they came into today as uh, an eight seed on. Um, bracket matrix. So uh, in every bracket uh, as the highest eight seed, but I, I mean, there, there's not a lot of room for error. I would say down the stretch here. And for the record, Brett actually does have a history of coaching basketball before, for those that don't know, um, you know, I, I can't remember what age, but um, I, I don't know what he was trying to hide from you guys, but he has actually been a basketball coach before. Thank, thank you for for correcting the record, Steve. I, I, I do appreciate that. And, and shout out to all those fifth graders I coached over the years uh, with with a good friend. Um, but I am not Tom Izzo or any anything more than a fifth grade, former fifth grade basketball coach. So 
Uh, I appreciate the the credit, though, Steve. All right, so moving on from a team that had a, a big down week, uh, we return again to the dominant Purdue Boilermakers, who uh, ripped off a two-win week uh, after last week's loss at Ohio State um, by thoroughly dismantling Rutgers, uh, winning by 28 at home, um, and then getting by Michigan uh, in a game that Purdue kind of seemed just relatively disinterested in playing defense. Both teams kind of did, I would say, over the course of the game. Um, a lot of lot of made shots, uh, especially in a 68-possession game, um, but they did get a road win and currently sit at 14-3 and three in conference, a full two and a half games clear of Illinois, who sits in second. So with three games left, they have uh, an almost insurmountable lead and are closing in on yet another uh, conference championship. You know, I, I think the, the game today was a little closer than we would have expected, but did, what did you see out of Purdue this week? And is it anything different than a couple than what we've seen this season apart from a couple small road aberrations? Well, the the takeaway from Thursday's game, at least, and I guess before I get into this, it still continues to astound me the number of teams that like Purdue hangs 90 on. And uh, I don't know that we necessarily need to get into Rutgers here. I think their mini run was their mini resurgence was kind of nice with uh you know when when Williams came back, but their uh, that that run is now over. And I know that we've also sort of hinted at at least I have my belief that. Um, despite Rutgers' reputation, their defense this year is a little bit overrated. And um, I mean, yeah, 96 from Purdue, uh, regardless of where the game is. I mean, I don't think you can call yourself an elite defense if if you do that, despite how good they are. Uh, I think if you if you want to like find one kind of cool storyline from you know Purdue's game against Rutgers, it was it was Heidi scoring 18 points and not missing a shot, going four or four from three off the bench. I mean, they just continue to work guys in, you know, to give themselves, you know, depth for the potential that they're going to like need someone like him to potentially make a shot or two in a big tournament game um, when the time comes. I think that that really continues to be the the theme for me with this team. Um, last year, it, it just it always felt like it was Lawyer, Smith and Edie trying to carry the burden. You know, Mason Gillis has been up and down this year, but you know that you can depend on him to contribute. You know, we've talked about Lance Jones at nauseum. This Purdue team can attack you in a in a lot more different ways than they could last than they could, you know, relative to last year. And then I think you contrast that, right? Like, I mean, yeah, Edie's stats against Rutgers were insane. It, he put up 25 points on eight shots, but he was the dominant one against Michigan. And you know, it, it, it again, it's reiterating the same thing we've been saying. It, about them all year, but you know, they're, they're going to lock up the regular season title title here sooner rather than later. They do have a couple tough games left before they do that. And it'll be fun to see how they show in that, but um, they're zeroing in on another title and it's, it's all about March with them. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's good to see them playing at, at a high level right now. And I will actually say your point about Mason Gillis currently the 11th best three point shooter in the country at 48%. So, you know, it gives them, uh, some very uh, another very interesting weapon that they can deploy, uh, you know, as as Pater likes to move around his matchups. But I will agree that, yeah, Cam Heidi has been a nice nice surprise recently. Uh, has definitely shown to be gaining Matt Painter's trust. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's pretty much all we can say, uh, you know, to the to that point this week about uh, the Boilermakers. 
So I think we did have a very unexpected storyline, though, uh, and that is the Penn State Nittany Lions, who lost Kanye Clary for the season. I, I believe he was asked to leave the team uh, or or something. But, you know, we, we had talked about kind of throughout the season that he is he was a, an important part of their, their team, especially on offense and, and gave them a lot of energy uh, and, and kind of scoring. So uh, tough to see him go, but. Nothing slowed down for the Nittany Lions, and I, we we were correct in that the game against Illinois was played in Recreation Hall, which is a smaller arena. That the atmosphere looked nuts; it was a whiteout, and they came back from a seven-point deficit with 30 seconds left against Illinois to win 90 to 89 uh, in what was an absolute stunner of a game. Um, and as as mentioned earlier, this did help uh, Purdue relieve some of their pressure at the top. But I, we got to talk about that final sequence because it is. Truly kind of everything we've talked about from Illinois, like through especially the last few weeks, has kind of made it seem like they were past stuff like this. Um, you know, the the absurd late game collapse. And it, it started with Coleman Hawkins, you know, I mean, he missed two free throws that would have put them up by four had he made both of them. Uh, and then immediately turned around and fouled Nick Kern, who was shooting a, a desperation, a pretty desperate three uh, by just getting into him, into his body as he was taking a three. Kern made all three free throws and Justin Harmon missed a, a pretty good look uh, right at the buzzer. And Penn State was able to to literally steal one uh, at home against the Illini, who uh, got 35 points from, from Terrence Shannon, who again, 19 free throws. Um, but Illinois left nine points on the line and turn the ball over 18 times for almost 24%. So, you know, you can, you can pin it all on that last sequence, but you know, in reality, the line I had opportunities to put this game away, but, but really just couldn't down the stretch. First off, I mean, I guess rec hall is the place where dreams go to die too. It's not just the Bryce Jordan center, but we, we beat that joke to death on the show. So I don't really need to do it any longer. No, we will, we will be continuing that for the foreseeable future. I stand corrected. So with Illinois, I and me of all people, I feel like you're going to be shocked to hear me say this, but I'm actually inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. I, I just think that they've had such a good season, you know, so far maintaining the level of consistency that, you know, really from, from start to finish, especially like throughout the whole Shannon situation and just, with all the sort of uncertainty with the roster at the beginning of the year and, you know, guys settling into their roles and stepping up. And yeah, I, I know we like our praise of Illinois has been sort of contingent on their like lack of a game like this one that we just saw where, you know, you just, you're just like WTF if you're an Illinois fan and it's, or, or, or an unbiased person for me, it's just, Hey, it, here's Underwood, you know, doing his thing again at the end of the game, like not knowing what he's doing. I, I feel like when you look at just the overall like portfolio of Illinois, this feels more like an outlier this year than it does like part of a trend. But, you know, what it's a good reminder of is that Underwood's the same coach that, you know, he's been the last couple of years. He's still prone to an outcome like this. And if you're an Illinois fan, you worry that this will happen, you know, in a, in a game when it matters most in March. Um, and I think when you talk about Coleman Hawkins too, I mean, like this, this was as Coleman Hawkins of a week as it gets, 
you know, when you look at his 9.5 turnover, you know, three of 11 shooting performance on Wednesday, going to scoring what I think was his career high 30 um, in what was a defensive masterpiece uh, against Iowa in Champaign. That, that was a joke for those that, that didn't catch the sarcasm. I think, <laughs> yeah, Illinois having 95 on, on Iowa um, in what was – but there was no defense played at all in that game. But yeah, you know, I, if you want my take, I think you you put this aside. I, I think unfortunately Illinois' conference championship regular season conference championship dreams are are probably over. But they they still have Purdue on the schedule. You know, they still have an opportunity to prove that they belong as a top ten team. I mean, they 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 they're still like a sleeper Final Four team in my book. Like their ranking says that the seed's gonna say that and. You know, the, just the, the talent on their roster is is going to say that, too. I don't think anyone in Champaign is is thinking about that right now. But as I've just said, I think I think this this was more of an outlier than it was the norm. Yeah. And I I, I think that's fair. I just I it was like kind of wild to see just that collapse happen in real time. Um, And a good point. Like Hawkins did respond very nicely. He did have five turnovers again. But, yeah, that 30 points on an excellent, excellent shooting uh, was a huge bounce back. Um, I think an underlooked maybe aspect of Illinois' win over Iowa is that Underwood is really starting to bring the uh, the, the bench guys into the fold more. Um, you know, we saw, what was that, 10 guys actually played 10 minutes or more, which we haven't seen from, from this Illinois team in quite some time since probably some of the earlier non-conference games. Um, you know, you see some of the younger guys getting a little bit more looks, and, and we talked about the the worry of, you know, Illinois running into some depth issues. So I think it's really interesting to see those guys get up and, and it really answer the bell. You know, Nicola Moretti hadn't really played much all season and, and came through with nine points in seven minutes against Iowa. So that's definitely something to monitor. But after that brief sidetrack, uh, back to, to Penn State, just really quick. You know, obviously Mike Rhodes is really kind of building a culture of, of guys that play hard. And even though a lot of these players won't be back next year with uh, eligibility exhausted. I think, you know, he's showing that he's going to put teams on the floor that compete hard every night and, and going to going to state college, regardless of which arena you're actually playing in, uh, will be difficult going forward. They also just absolutely uh, took control of the game against uh, Indiana. Um, Indiana didn't lead after midway through the first half, I believe. Um, and so there's a lot to be said there. We'll have that those discussions later, but a uh, nice little week for Penn State, who currently sits at eight and nine in the uh, conference. And I mean, I don't want to play that. I wouldn't want to play them in the conference tournament. So I, I think that that's, you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to win four games in four days. But, you know, that's a tough middle of the pack team to have to play on on Thursday or even Friday of, of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um you know, we we all knew that like they lost uh, a really really good coach at the end of last year in Micah Shrewsbury and um, a little bit different of an identity um, under Rhodes. You know, a little bit more pace, a little bit more chaos on defense. Um, but yeah, he he looks like he's he's figured it out with this roster. Um, you know, f- for the most part, especially after some road bumps at the beginning of the year. They yeah, I cannot agree more. Um, I would not want to play them. I, mean, I I would not want to play them at all. Um, definitely not in the Big Ten tournament. I think if he gets to 500 in, in conference play, that's a that's a huge uh, accomplishment in year one. They there'd be a scary team in year two, even Absolutely. with the roster turnover. Ab- absolutely. 
So I think speaking of teams we didn't necessarily see as doing uh, as well as they have, Nebraska finally got over the hump on the road, you know, uh, slamming Indiana by 15 um, and then turned around and took care of business at home uh, against a Minnesota team. Uh, that's that's definitely feeling the heat a little bit now. You know, it's it's it was a great showing offensively 1.2 points per possession on the road at Indiana uh, 14 made threes and really kind of ground Indiana's offense to a halt. And then just, you know, keeping, keeping on, you know, keeping shooting well against Minnesota, despite a couple, couple turnover issues, but um, you know, Minnesota's definitely a team and they've already had one very weird game against Minnesota this year. So it was good to see Nebraska just take care of business, but I mean, Nebraska currently sits at fifth in uh, fifth in the conference. I'm I'm not exactly sure what the tiebreakers are with them right now, but I mean they're threatening for a double buy. They're they're seeing things come together offensively and defensively. They sit inside the top 40 in both of both of offense efficiency and defensive efficiency on Ken Palm, 34th overall in Ken Palm. Um, and the bracket matrix currently has them. It was heading into today still as a 10 seed, which I think is fair, but they're clicking and Hoiberg has really figured out a, a recipe that works. And even if they're not going nuclear from three, which kind of was the case, uh, you know, today, uh, against Nebraska or against Minnesota, they're, they're finding ways to win and they're getting consistent contributions across the board. Like today where they had four guys in double figures. I mean, is this is this the year that I mean, I mean we don't need to start talking tournament stuff but like this Nebraska team was looking as consistent as they've ever looked under under Fred Hoiberg no yeah and I mean pivoting away from X's nose for a second so yeah you know you mentioned they're sitting in fifth but knocking on the door of a double buy their last three games are at Ohio State home versus Rutgers and at Michigan um, which I know I, I don't know that I any of those are going to help with their tournament resume and I, I think they will make the tournament but I mean, I think it's fair to ask the question like this team wins 13 conference games like that might be good enough for the two seed. Um, I don't know how that tiebreakers would work, but like like it, it it's it's very possible that like they're not just going to get a double buy. They're going to get like a really, really good seed. And I mean, yeah, that would be a huge accomplishment for Fred Homer. I know Ohio State's you know surging a little bit, so it might be tough to, to go in there and get that win. we've talked about how how much trouble they've had on the road in general. But. Yeah, you know, they, they looked the part in terms of a tournament team. And honestly, they looked the part, unlike some of these other Big Ten teams, they're explosive offensively. And that is sometimes more important than being good at defense when it comes to, you know, them trying to make a run at the second weekend. Um, so I'm I'm a I'm a big believer in the Cornhuskers. I think they've actually got the it, it might have the best like tournament upside, honestly, of like any team other than like Purdue or Illinois. Um, so I, I think it'd be really, really fun to have them in the in the top four with a with a double buy. It 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 really is. Yeah, it's a testament to them sticking with Fred Hoiberg even when things were not good. Um, rosters kind of come together this year to allow him to have had the success, but he's done some really good things tactically too, like going with the three big guys and letting Tominaga do his thing to um, make that offense really free flowing and make them really, really dangerous. I think not just in the big 10, but, but nationally too come March. Yeah. I mean, this is, I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse for coach of the year at this point in the big 10. Um, and there might be, you know, th- there's a case to have him be, you know, in the, in the running for national. I don't, I would need to do a, a larger deep dive on that, but 
um, it's it, it, you're right. It truly is a testament. I I will say one thing. I think, you know, just I, I think that keeping things in context is important. And their last Nebraska's four wins on this streak have come home against Michigan, home against Penn State at Indiana and home against Minnesota. So they have this momentum and it's working really well. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of potential tournament runs, I think and and where things are going to play out, um, that's just important to know. But you are right. I mean, in terms of current standings, they sit a game and a half back of of Illinois, and then they're a half game back of both Wisconsin and Northwestern. So um, there's a lot of time for for things to get all all good and mixed up over the next the final two weeks of the regular season. Uh, and then a couple quick hitters as we uh, get down to the preview. A couple teams had one game this week. Wisconsin was able to hold serve against Maryland um, in a game where the final score was a bit misleading. They did win by four, uh, but they were up by a lot more. Um, and it, it, there were 28 points. There were 28 total points scored in the final minute of gameplay as Maryland just kept hitting ridiculous threes. This is not this is true. Maryland, I believe, hit four threes. Wisconsin made 12 free throws. And I think Maryland hit, I think, one more. It was, it was, I believe, and Maryland had one more two-point basket uh, in the final minute of play. It was so, nothing like I've really ever seen before. But, uh, you know, so Wisconsin had held Maryland uh, to two for 12 from three before the three threes uh, in the final minute. And, you know, overall played a, a very, very good game, um, keeping Jameer Young to an inefficient night and limiting Julian Reese's contributions uh on the boards as much as they could um and it was a nice bounce back from guys like tyler wall uh and max klesman and chucky hepburn offensively as as wisconsin had been scuffling a little bit on that end but they were able to achieve 1.12 points per possession against a very stingy maryland defense um so you know it's it's good to see the badgers get back uh you know to playing better offensively um and so there's they were able to hold serve for the for the week and then uh, Northwestern, also with a one-game week, was able to take care of Michigan by 14 points. In you know, obviously without Ty Berry, they're still kind of trying to figure out exactly what their offense is going to look like. But Brooks Barnheiser and Ryan Langborg were each able to assist uh, another good effort from Boo Booey. Uh, Barnheiser had 19, and Lang- Langborg had 20. So that's exactly the offensive uh, you know output they're going to need if they're going to really keep this thing going. Steve, anything on either of those games? I think it's just important for both of these teams not to avoid a letdown at home. There's some really important games that we'll get to in a second that both of these games have to deal with. And both of these teams have to deal with in the next couple of weeks. And so, um, you know, both of these teams also did not play over the weekend. So they're kind of entering one week. Um, you know, they're, they're entering sort of a, a week of being off. And so I think it's also important for both of them to, to get healthy during this period too. But, yeah, you know, Wisconsin and Northwestern sitting there tied for the third and fourth spot in the in the Big Ten. You know, there's like we've talked about, there's going to be a lot of maneuvering for conference tournament positioning. Um, and it was good for these teams to avoid a letdown. Absolutely. And we are we're going to head into the preview uh, right after a word from our sponsor. Then that is Brewbags Coffee Company. And I just want to let you know that you can rediscover your ritual with Brewbags Company. Brewex Coffee Company and their single-serving flavored cold brew pouches. So whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew, you're trying to save time in your busy morning, or you just want to have coffee your way while you're on the road, brew bags are so easy you can brew them in your sleep, and they are so delicious that you'll want to wake up. 
Currently, you can still enjoy free shipping to celebrate their launch and use discount code LAUNCH10, that's L-A-U-N-C-H-1-0, to take 10% off your order. Uh, thanks again to Brewbags for sponsoring their our podcast. Um, all right, so uh, interesting week. You know, every game, well, not every game. We can we can discount a couple of these, but uh, most of these games will really matter uh, as we you know get into the point where teams have three games left, uh, and there is a lot of room as we've talked about for kind of jostling in the standings. Uh, I guess you know Wisconsin or Illinois currently sits two point two and a half games back of. Purdue and then uh, Ohio State, who is second to last, currently just sits uh, five and a half games behind Illinois. So there's a lot of, of teams in the middle. So uh, we will start with Wisconsin heading to Indiana. Um, that is uh, a rematch of a game that uh, Wisconsin kind of had going away, uh, tour, uh, you know, back in January. Um, you know, Wisconsin is definitely going to keep. Indiana's defense on its toes and Indiana at this point is so decimated from injuries. Um, I believe in their game against Penn state, they only play they, they played, you know, seven or eight guys more than 10 minutes. Um, so they are really hurting. Um, I expect uh, Wisconsin to have another good offensive output, but I am kind of interested to see they didn't have to deal with Kalal Ware last time. So I'm curious to see that crawl where um, matchup, you know, crawl, Players have had a lot of success kind of going at crawl on the inside. Um, and I where shouldn't be an exception, but I think the rest of Wisconsin's defense uh, will be able to keep guys like Gabe Cups out of the lane. Um, as as kind of worrisome as that has been, I don't think Cups has the uh, athletic ability to really make Wisconsin's defense pay. And Wisconsin should be able to light up Indiana um, from the field on offense. So I am looking for Wisconsin to emerge from Bloomington with yet another win uh, over Indiana. And then Penn State heads to Iowa. Um, this one is going to be very interesting. Obviously, Penn State loves to, you know, trap and cause havoc on the defensive end. Um, Iowa is just really trying to run. As a reminder, they are 25th in the country in pace. Iowa's in a weird spot, right? Like 16 and 12, 8 and 9 in conference is, in my opinion, definitely not enough to be, uh, you know, in in the tournament right now. But um, they there are there is one bracket currently where they are getting wins and that's or getting votes. Um, so I you know that every game matters. They they really need to win uh, kind of their three remaining games and and losing Penn State would basically um, remove them from contention at this point. So you know I'm looking for them to kind of continue this form of hot, of hot shooting um, and just hope that they can outscore Penn State basically. And and I think especially at home uh, with their backs against the wall, they they should be able to get the job done. All right, two two games on Wednesday as well. Uh, first off, we have Northwestern heading to Maryland. Uh, so Maryland season is, I, I think, effectively on life support. Um, they're outside of looking in um, from the tournament perspective as of now um, and would, would effectively have to win out in order to even give themselves a, a puncher's chance if they do damage in the Big Ten tournament. So if you recall, the the first iteration of this game had Jameer Young almost single-handedly carry the Terrapins to a win in Evanston. Um, Northwestern will go back there without Ty Berry. You know, I, I think this came this game comes down to which team imposes their will physically. Um, and Northwestern's been really, really good at doing that, you know, for most of the season, specifically at home, though, you know, and, and struggled a little bit more on the road. 
Um, yeah, obviously the viewers' eyes will go to the Boo Booey Jameer Young matchup, and I expect that to be another fun one. But I think this game's going to be one in the trenches in the post with, you know, Northwestern doing everything they can to, to, you know, re- really try to shove around Maryland and 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 hit them hard and 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 dominate on the, the glass. And so that's where I'll look to see who gains the advantage. But this is effectively a must win for Maryland or else they can um, say goodbye to any postseason chances. Um, and then Minnesota heads to Champaign in game number two. You know, I, I don't know that they'll be able to keep up with the Illini. Yeah, I think you have to watch with Illinois is just, you know, a potential letdown game, you know, again here middle of the week. Um, as they get prepared for bigger games that are come coming, you know, after this one, I just I really don't think Minnesota has has the guns to keep up. Illinois one runs really really well at home, um, and their offense has been humming, you know, despite the end of game collapse that we talked about against Penn State. Um, so I like Illinois to to keep holding serve and at least you know in the middle of the week for the moment preserve their shot at at catching Purdue for a conference um, title for the regular season. All right, on to Thursday. Um, I, we have uh, Nebraska in uh, heading to Ohio State. Um, you know, Ohio State really needs this one if they are going to keep their season uh, and postseason dreams alive. Um, and Nebraska really needs every win they can get to kind of just shore up their tournament footing because the, the last thing you want is to be is to be nervous about hearing your name called on on Selection Sunday. So. Um, obviously Nebraska is going to be shooting a lot. Um, Ohio state, you know, maybe this Michigan state win gives them some confidence and they're able to kind of match shot for shot. I think, you know, I'm interested to see who gets the, basically where Tominaga gets put defensively because he's not going to be able to stay in front of Thornton. Um, Gale is big, you know, if battle is healthy, he is also, um, so, and they're going to need Tominaga on the floor, obviously for, for spacing purposes. Um, but I am, I am curious to see that, that inside battle, I think to the Akpara versus, you know, guys like Alec and Mast, um, I think is going to be really key. Whoever can kind of control the boards in that game and, you know, create second chance opportunities for their team, I think is, is who's going to have a better shot to win this game. I think that, you know, maybe that Nebraska win over Indiana kind of figured out their road woes. And I think they're playing much better basketball than Ohio State like on a consistent basis right now. So I think that they can go into Columbus and get that win. But it wouldn't surprise me to see this one uh, coming, you know, down to the wire uh, on Thursday night. Also on Thursday night, uh, Michigan, a very depleted Michigan team, uh, minus Doug McDaniel and minus Olivier Kamwa goes to Rutgers in, I guess, stoppable object meets movable force in terms of Rutgers offense, Michigan defense. Um, you know, I think Michigan, obviously we know can put up points. Uh, we saw him do it again today, but that was obviously with Doug McDaniel. Um, and I believe Jalen Llewellyn was, was questionable coming into today. So I, it kind of is a mystery to see who is going to actually be running the offense for Michigan, uh, against the Rutgers team that really, really still is having trouble scoring the ball. They only scored 40 points, uh, earlier today. So I I am not sure how they're going to manufacture enough points. I think this is a game that that Michigan can win and, you know, try to save some confidence in their season. But, um, you know, Jeremiah Williams and and those guys will definitely have something to say. But I think it also should be a close one but for different reasons. 
All right, Saturday looks like it's going to be the banner day for the conference this week. Um, four games, first of which hit, involves Illinois going to Madison to take on the Badgers. I think we're going to find out, you know, a lot about both of these teams in, in this game. You know, this this will be the the first conference game um, when the calendar flips to March, and you know it'll be a battle for um, to, sort of seeding, and at least in Illinois' case, you know, a chance to sort of keep their their conference um, championship aspirations alive. Um, you know, Illinois is going to want to get out and run, but Wisconsin's not going to let them in, in Madison. You know, I, I think to, to me, Illinois is, is, is more athletic, at least on the offensive end, but I think, you know, Wisconsin runs, you know, more controlled offense. And, uh, you know, I think if they, if they can slow the game down and, you know, execute, um, outshoot the Illini and force a few turnovers, you know, that's kind of going to be the recipe to have to beat them. They will have a size advantage too. Um, and, you know, even they're, they're maybe one of the few teams in the conference that can probably match pound for pound with, you know, some of the bigger guards that Illinois has. Um, Tyler Wall and, and Steve Crowell are going to have to have good games, um, you know, and, uh, you know, you're going to have to have good games and, and potentially get Coleman Hawkins in foul trouble, I think, for, for, for them to pull this off. You know, Wisconsin still hasn't seemed right since they went on that kind of little losing streak, you know, over the last couple of weeks. But this will be a great opportunity to get their confidence back, get right. Um, and I, I, I'd probably pick them to win, um, you know, just given given uh, I think the pause that we all have to have to take with with Illinois, you know, recent performance against Penn State last week, at least on the road. Um, Penn State and Minnesota won't talk too much about the X's and O's of this game, but this is, this is actually a really impactful game when it comes to seeding. So we know both of these teams are sort of overachieved when it comes to their conference record. And you know, one of these teams actually has an opportunity to get all the way up to the sixth line um, when it comes to seeding in the tournament. So, um, you know, this game, I think, will go a long way in determining the jockeying there. But, yeah, I, I think this will be a fun kind of low-scoring physical game where there will probably be a lot of turnovers and – and, you know, we'll, the point guard battle in particular, I think I think it'll be a fun one to watch there. Uh, Iowa heads to Northwestern in the late afternoon on Saturday. This is a really, really important game for the bubble and also a clash of styles, which I feel like talk about a clash of styles every time in a game that involves Iowa because most other teams in the conference don't play this way. Um, you know, Iowa's looked like, you know, they can go out and, and, and get games on the road. And we know that, you know, Northwestern for how, solid they are at defense for how well they don't turn the ball over. You know, they, they can be offensively challenged at times. Um, Iowa probably needs this one, you know, if, if they want to maintain their, their puncher's chance at the tournament, like Brett referenced um, for their game earlier in the week. So it would be fun to see how desperate that team is. And will be fun to see particularly the battle of the big guys there. You know, they've got some big guys that might be able to go pound for pound with Northwestern. So yeah, I think that the tactics of this game will be fun. And then the the primetime game in the evening has Michigan State going to West Lafayette. You know, Purdue really hasn't been phased by anyone at all in West Lafayette this year. You know, Michigan State will have a week to think about their loss to the Buckeyes. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Izzo will have uh, – I have no doubt that he will light a fire under his team and, and have them ready to play. But at the end of the day, we we don't know which Michigan State team we're, we're going to get on a given day. Um, and while it would not shock me for them to come out and play well, I think they're going to be too much to handle. And, um, you know, you might be able to throw four different big guys at Zach Eady and keep the bodies out there. But 
Um, none of them are going to be able to successfully slow them down. So I think Purdue, you know, Purdue takes care of business easily here and, and moves on to, to the next one after this. All right. And wrapping things up on Sunday, uh, we have Indiana going to Maryland. Man, I don't you don't need to watch this game. Please, like for the sake of your your mental health and that of your loved ones, uh, you don't need to watch this game. But uh, it's I mean, if you really want an angle, uh, Reese, Reese and Ware should be a, a pretty fun battle of, of talented bigs. Um, I, Jameer Young should really be able to kind of rip right through Gabe Cups and the Indiana, you know, guards um, will have a hard time staying in tr- a hard time staying in front of him. Um, and you know, maybe we'll see one of the freshmen do something cool. Uh, I'm not really sure, but uh, I, I think Maryland wins at home, and you know, the rum the rumblings are starting. Uh, I'm I'm hearing we might get a a fire that guy segment kind of soon. So you know, TBD there. Um, Michigan heads to Ohio state after that, um, again, you know, another for well, another one for the Buckeyes where, uh, they got to win every game they can, if they want to keep their, their postseason dreams alive. Um, this is another game where Michigan will be significantly depleted and Ohio state will be able really to take advantage of them. I think, uh, you know, just given the, the, the skill of their guards, especially if Jamison battles healthy, I think, you know, Bruce Thornton should be in line for a pretty good game, especially if Llewellyn is still, Limited, um, and we've seen Terrace Reed kind of get into some foul trouble, so I think that uh, Akpara, Royal, and Key should really kind of be able to give him some trouble down low as well. And then we end the week with Rutgers heading to Nebraska. Again, like, Nebraska cannot lose this game at home. Um, they they need every win they can get. Um, they're shooting much better and playing offensively much, much, much better, and um, I think that... You know, there, there's uh, even though they did lose that game, you know, the, so they they did lose uh, at the rack uh, back in January. So they will have revenge on their mind and they just play so much better at home. And that that, that game, you know, obviously went to overtime. So I think that, you know, they'll come out with a chip on their shoulder. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that gets Tominaga going um, and they should be able to uh, counter anything that Rutgers wants to do offensively um, and really, you know, just kind of put the pedal to the floor and close them out at home. So that was that was is it for us this week. Uh, if you guys got any questions, comments, concerns, please send us an email, Big Ten Hoops Weekly at gmail.com. Uh, or if Steve also accepts carrier pigeons and telegrams. So, uh, you know, that works, too. So thank you guys for sticking with us. Uh, we will have a very, very important announcement at the top of next week's episode. Um, so until then, we will see you next time.